Hi, welcome to Free Thinking with me, Layla Free. Welcome to my podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Cindy Smith. Cindy is a historian that has spent much of her career delving into Holocaust and the Nazi Germany. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. You've probably all heard about the Holocaust where Hitler and the Nazis killed around 11 million people, the majority of them being Jews. But have you ever wondered what happened to the Nazis after World War II? We did learn about the Holocaust in school, but that was a long time ago. I have never really put that much thought into what happened to the Nazis when the war was over. That's okay. Many people haven't. Today we'll be talking about Adolf Eichmann and the runaway Nazis after World War II. But first, maybe we should start with a little recap on the Holocaust to refresh your memory. That would be great. I know Adolf Hitler was the main hit leader, but what started the Holocaust? Great question, Layla. Hitler believed the Germans were racially superior and wanted to create a pure German race, which he called the Aryan race. So is this why they started killing so many people that didn't fit into that category? Eventually, yes. They primarily targeted Jews since they were viewed as the biggest threat to creating this pure race. He blamed the Jews for all of Germany's problems, though. They also targeted other populations that viewed that they viewed as inferior as well. Well, why do you think the Jews had such a big target on their back? Well, after Germany lost World War I, they were embarrassed, and they were looking for someone to blame. So Adolf Hitler blamed the Jews for Germany's defeat. They claimed that they had stabbed them in the, bla- in the back. Anti-Semitism was at the core of his political policies. What is anti-Semitism? Anti-Semitism is the hatred of Jews. It had been around in Europe for centuries. I see. So he was using his power to make things harder for the Jews. Yes, and to turn others against them as well. They used propaganda like showing Jewish people looking like monkeys in the media to make the people think they were more like animals than people. They blasted hate speech on the streets and even taught it in the schools. They also made them out to be evil. And the people believed it? Unfortunately, most followed along. At first, they tried to make life really hard on the Jews to force them to leave the country. Well, did this work? Well, many of them did leave, or at least tried to. Because of the way the Jews were portrayed, many countries wouldn't receive them. How sad for them. I can't believe this hatred was just so widespread. Yes, and when this plan didn't satisfy Hitler and the Nazis, they came up with the final solution. This was their plan to systematically kill and thus eliminate the Jews. Is this when they started sending them to all the concentration camps? That's right. They were moved out of their homes, placed in ghettos. Some were rounded up and shot. Many of them were brought to concentration camps where they were killed or made to work until they died of the terrible conditions. Just terrible that this happened. I can't imagine how they felt having to leave everything that they knew and never knowing when and if it may be the last day that they would see their family and friends again. I know you mentioned that we were going to be discussing Adolf Eichmann today. I don't recall ever hearing about him. So what can you tell me? Let me tell you, Adolf Eichmann was born March the 19th, 1906. He was known as as the world's most wanted Nazi. He joined the Austrian 
Nazi Party in 1932 at the age of 26, and then he advanced in the Nazi Party rapidly, becoming an SS lieutenant colonel. He thought like Hitler and saw Jews as a main problem. He organized the logistics of the final solution by organizing the identification, assembly, and transportation of Jews from all over Europe to their final destinations, usually a concentration camp. Eichmann believed that he was in charge of saving Germany. In the end, he sent more than 337,000 Hungarian Jews to Auschwitz camp, and 90% of them received a quick death. Adolf Eichmann sounds like a terrible man. What happened to him after the war was over? Eichmann was finally captured by the American troops, but he managed to escape the prison camp in 1946. He lived in Germany under a false identity and eventually made his way to Argentina using what was called the Rat Lines. On May the 11th, 1960, Israeli agents abducted him and made him stand trial in Jerusalem for his war crimes. He was found guilty and received the only death sentence ever issued by an Israeli court. He was hanged on May 31st, 1962. Dang, I bet he didn't see that coming. I'm glad to see that justice was served in his case. You mentioned that he used the rat lines to escape. What is that? And did the other Nazi leaders escape as well? Well, talking about those rat lines, they were a system of escape routes for Nazis and other fascists fleeing from Europe in the aftermath of World War II. There were two primary routes. First went, the first one went from Germany to Spain, then to Argentina. The second went from Germany to Rome to Genoa and then South America. Oh, wow. How many escaped using the rat lines and how were they developed? Well, it's estimated that over 10,000 escaped this way. The two routes developed independently, but eventually came together. The rat lines were organized by the Nazi sympathizers and supported by the clergy of the Catholic Church, and some historians claim even by the Vatican. No way. So these other countries were okay with these war leaders coming to them? Most were more than okay. After World War II, they were trying to get as far away from the Nuremberg trials as possible. Argentina welcomed hundreds, if not thousands, of them. They went to great lengths to help them get there, sending agents to Europe to ease their passage, providing travel documents, and in many cases covering their expenses. I don't understand why they would want them to be in their country, let alone help them get there. What was in it for them? That's a great question. First of all, in World War II, the Germans were part of the Axis powers that were fighting the Allies. Argentina had close cultural ties with the Axis party. Nazi Germany also promised an important trade concession after the war. There were financial incentives to accept them since Nazi leaders had taken millions from the Jews. They could bring that money with them. It sounds like it was mainly out of greed that they accepted them into their countries. I think some of it was, but don't forget that many of these countries agreed with and supported what the Nazis were doing. They thought just like them. 
Just because the war was over, these countries didn't change the way they felt towards the Jewish people. Mm, That's true. I didn't think about it like that. It is unbelievable to me that they were able to spread their beliefs in Germany, but also into other countries as well. I agree. The Nazi party was very powerful. In history, it's important to understand globalization, which is about the interconnectedness of people across the world, including cultural, economic, and political integration. I think the Holocaust is a great example of this. I can see why. Hitler and the Nazis' ideas were spreading hate around the around far and wide. People were sitting back and allowing these massive killings to take place and not stepping up out of fear because they had the same beliefs. Globally, a world war is taking place and the Allies and Axis powers are grouping together based on their political and cultural beliefs. We see countries allowing the runaway Nazis to escape the war crime trials and come to, into their countries. Absolutely, Layla. And I also think that globally, we learned a lot from this tragedy. We have learned to pay attention to radical political parties and now realize they could mean everything they say. We have to look for groups being targeted in speech and policy. Terrible crimes often start in small steps, so we have to stay alert. So is this why the UN was created? It sure is. The UN, United Nations, was created in 1945, right after World War II. 51 countries came together and committed to maintaining international peace and security, developing friendly relationships among nations and promoting social progress, better living standards, and human rights. It sounds like there were some good things that came out of this horrendous event. I'm glad that we have came a long, a long way since then and pray nothing like the Holocaust ever happens again. Me too. I'm so glad that you had me on today's podcast about the Holocaust, Adolf Eichmann, and the runaway Nazis after World War II. It is so important to learn about history so that horrible acts like this do not get repeated. Thank you so much for joining me today. I felt like I had some knowledge on the Holocaust, but... Today really helped me open my eyes on how this event came about, what took place, and what we need to watch out for. It is so important. It's such an important topic for those reasons. I hope that you, the audience, have also taken away more information about today's episode. Cindy, I believe we all have. Now, as always, thank you for joining me today. Don't forget to tune into next week as we jump into another episode of Free Thinking, where we will explore another important topic in history.